But could we just pray before we get started? Um, let's do that. Jesus, I, I thank you for gathering our, our family here tonight, our, our family made of friends here tonight. And, and we, we, we just come to you tonight with, with expectant hearts. And um, Lord, we just expect to have an encounter with you. Jesus, would you, would you speak to our hearts tonight? Um, when, when all is said and done at the end, and end of the night tonight, would we be just the kind of people who, who commit to pursuing the kind of lives that a follower of Jesus should pursue, that a follower of Jesus should live? And I pray, Lord God, that, that that burning passion, that desire would just get into our hearts. And I pray that your word challenges us tonight to, to want to reach people for you. We love you, Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Well, hey, let me ask. Let me start by asking you guys a, a strange question. Um, how many strange people? Strange people like strange questions. So here we go. We're going to start by asking a strange question. Does anybody know how you tame an elephant? Yeah, we're starting off. We're, we're jumping right in it. Peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> and a whip, right? A chair and a whip. Right? Well, I don't know if you guys have ever actually really wondered this or not, or even, even if you've ever cared or not, um, because I haven't really. But I, I heard this pastor share this story uh, about um, how, how you tame an elephant, how the process is of taming an elephant. And, and you see, it's, it's really interesting. And, and it starts out when the elephant is just a baby. And... <clears throat> What the, what the trainer will do will take a small rope and tie it by the hind leg to an immovable object, like a tree or something like that. And it'll tie the, the elephant up the, by the hind leg. And, and, just, and so, so the tree, no matter how hard you pull on it, the, the baby elephant pulls on it, it can't break free. And over time, the elephant develops what's known as learned helplessness. And in this, in this young elephant, it develops learned helplessness. See, after trying so hard for so long to, to break this rope or this chain or whatever it's tied around the ankle over time and time and time again, it eventually believes that no matter what it does, it can't escape. And so ultimately, as a full-grown adult elephant weighing several tons... An elephant can be tied down to simply a, a stake in the ground, and it won't escape. In fact, it won't even try. And 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 to kind of turn this a little bit, and, and I'm not trying to be like a, a sad preacher tonight, but if you were to study the current state of followers of Jesus in America, I think we would conclude that it's a lot like a powerful elephant that's tied to a twig, that's tied to a stake in the ground. It has all the power to break free and leave a mark on its surroundings, but instead it's fallen into this state of learned helplessness. Um, let me share with you guys just a, a few things to, to help reinstate this truth. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to get any of us down because we're going to talk about the hope of it here in a moment. Uh, which is greater than this, what I'm about to share. But nearly 6,000 churches close their doors every year in the United States. 85% of churches in the United States have plateaued or declining. 
Um, on the positive side of things, there are 800 churches being planted every year in the United States, but you'd actually need 10,000 churches planted every year to keep up with the population imp- increase. So it, it almost seems at times like the church has been tamed. But I don't want that for us. That's not us. That's not who we are. That's not who we're going to be. We're not going to be tamed. We're not going to be held back. We're not going to be weak little Christians. Dude, if you heard this message that Chad shared last week, guys, I don't, that challenged me to step out and to move and to do something. And, and <clears throat> that's not us. That's not who we are. I don't want a, a church that's, that's in, in a learned state of helplessness. When I look at our church, I want us to, to be a, a church that reaches, reaches anyone, that reaches everyone. A, a church in the wild. The church that will go out and, and, and anyone's welcome in our doors. You know why? Because anyone's welcome to Jesus. And that's how we are. And that, I don't care if you're what color you are, what gender you are, or what you claim to be. I don't care what it, what it is, what Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whatever it is you believe You're welcome in our doors because you're welcome to Jesus. And that's who we are and that's who we've got to be. And we we, we can't be complacent to where we're at. Otherwise, we'll end up like one of those places, like one of those churches who's got to close its doors. Well, I've done a little research of of how churches um, become tamed, so to speak. And and, and the answer is pretty simple. And, And here it is. I want you to write this down. When churches make it acceptable for people to do nothing and call themselves Christ followers, that's when they begin to die. When churches, or you know what? When church people, when followers of Jesus say it's okay to just do nothing, that's when our faith will begin to die. See, God doesn't desire a church in a zoo where, where, they, where everything's kept in cages and, and it's really tamed by humans. He, he wants a church in the wild. I would love for Emerge Youth Church right here on Wednesday nights for all the wrong people to show up. And I, I want you guys here too. You guys are the right people. But I, I want all the wrong people to show up because I want them. My hope and my desire is that people come here, no matter who they are, no matter who they claim to be, no matter what faith, what religion, what belief, who, what gender they claim to be. I want them to come here and to find Jesus because that is what it's all about. And hopefully somehow, some way through the process of finding Jesus and knowing who he is in their lives, it would change everything else about them. Because he's the only one who can do that. He's the only one who can do that. So what is a church in the wild? A church in the wild has a different way of doing church. See, a church in the wild isn't primarily about you. See, a lot of times we show show up to church and it's like, are they going to sing my song tonight? Like, is this message going to be, can we play ping pong? Can we play Gaga Ball tonight? Like, is this about me? Like, are, are they going to have my favorite uh, Starbucks drink at the, the cold coffee thing? Whatever that's back there. Are, are they like, is this about me? Like, are people going to be nice to me? Like, what, what we show up to church a lot of times make it about us. Well, the church in the wild has a different way of doing church. We don't make it about us. It, it's a church. The second thing, it's a church that believes there's an opportunity in the margins of society. I didn't put that in the notes, but that's all right. Um, and the third thing is this. Most of all, a church in the wild is a church that cares more about its calling 
than about its personal comfort. It cares more about its calling than about its personal comfort. Man, I, I like a nice, clean church. I, I, like, I like comfortable chairs to sit in. But man, that means nothing if people aren't coming here and finding Jesus. It's just a nice chair to sit in. It's just a nice screen to look at, a TV or whatever. It, all that means nothing if it's not being used for people to find Jesus. So you see, there's a church in the wild, and I think about it's the type of church that we see modeled in Scripture. And so today, tonight, I want to share with you three things, uh, uh, characteristics uh, of a church in the wild, who, who I want us to be, who, who I believe that God desires us to be. Um, so first of all, we're going to talk about the story of the Good Samaritan. If you brought your Bible tonight, go to the book of Luke, starting in chapter 10. And um, we're, we're going to look at the actions of the good, of the Samaritan and, and um, how, how basically off of that we can build a foundation of a church in the wild. So here it is. I'm going to read it real fast. The parable of the good Samaritan, Luke 10, uh, verse 30. You can read the Bible on the screen if you didn't bring one. Uh, it goes like this. Jesus said, a man, uh, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey... He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So I want to focus tonight on verses 33 and 34, because they're, the, these verses right here are where we can find the three characteristics of a church in the wild. Um, so the first thing is this, a church in the wild chooses to see things that others ignore. It chooses to see things others ignore. You know, a lot of times there's students, there's people who walk into this room and, and they're hurting. And, and they're full of they, they pain, they have heartbreak and hurts in their lives. I want us to be the kind of church who says, come on in, we'll pray with you. We'll help you. We'll take care of you. We, we see that other people will look at that and be like, uh, that's 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 too dirty. That's too filthy. That's you got too much going on. That's a, your life is a mess. But I want us to be the kind of people who look at that and says, you know what? Come here. Let's go to Jesus. Let's find this. He can fix anything. I want us to be the church that chooses to see things that others ignore. The Bible says this: that the good Samaritan he did what? Does anybody remember? He saw. He saw. He, he saw the man who was beaten and left for dead. But the, the Bible also, it also said that the priest and the Levite, they saw too. They saw what was going on. They saw what happened. And, and so what was different though about the Samaritan versus the priest and the Levite? You guys know? He acted on it. The other guys, the priest and the Levite, they were like, hey, I don't want none of that. Like I'm, they walked on the other side of the road. But with the Good Samaritan, he said, whoa, 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 hang on. This guy, he, he's, he's naked, he's bruised, he's beaten, he's left here to die. See, not long ago, I, I lost my phone. Um, 
And I don't know about you guys, but like my phone is my lifeline. Um, but at least I thought I, I lost my phone. I, I was here at the church and I was doing some work and I was cleaning up some things and, and I was moving some things around and, and I got a phone call and then I had to pick up and, and carry some things and, and all this busyness. I got back to my office and, and I realized that something was missing. It, it was my phone. And, and I don't know about you, but when it like comes to losing my phone or misplacing my phone, I'm like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Like, my precious, like where, like, where is this thing? And so I was looking around, like, needless to say, I was freaking out. I, I was like, oh, where, where is it? Where is it? And, and I was looking through my pockets and, and I, I looked under my, I looked on my desk and I even walked back to the bathroom. I, I just, Anyways, and then I walked into the coffee shop, and, and, and I just I, I couldn't find my phone anywhere. And all of a sudden, um, I realized that my phone was underneath my arm the whole time. Because I had to pick up things to carry it. I put my phone under my arm, pick up some things, move it. And I was like, ooh. And, like, who really walks around like this? Like, and so I was, like, stuck in this motion. Anyway, I, I guess I thought I was still carrying some, but it was under my arm and I felt so stupid. Have you guys ever been talking on your phone? Like actually, you guys, sometimes you actually get phone calls. You, you get a phone call, you're talking on your phone and then you're looking around for your phone. Yeah, yeah, I did, I've done that before too. But here's the deal. We are relentless in pursuing things that we deem valuable. We're relentless in pursuing things that we need. Like, I lost my phone. I was like, what? Where is my phone? I was freaking out. It was under my arm. But I was relentless in finding my phone. We are relentless in pursuing things that we deem valuable. So why did the Good Samaritan see the man that the others had ignored? Because he deemed him valuable. He saw him as valuable. When everyone else, when the other guys walked by, uh, he's, he, he's bleeding. He, he's been beat up. He, he's a mess. His life's a wreck. He, he's of a different nationality. Like he, he, I don't know what's going on in his life, but that's, I don't want to touch that. But the good Samaritan went after it because he deemed him as valuable. See, as Christians, I think we'd all agree that people are valuable. Would you agree? People are valuable. We understand that everyone is created in the image of God. So why is it that if we all agree that people are valuable, then why don't we act like it? If we say they're valuable and they're valuable and and everyone in this room is valuable, then why don't we act like it? Why don't we treat each other like that? See, do, do you treat people like they have value? I don't care if they, they look the same as you, they look different than you, or they, they smell different than you, or they ha- have a higher income or a lower income than you, or if they, they dress or look a certain way, do you see them, them as valuable? Do you see a new person at church and act like they don't exist? You see someone walk in the door and you're like, oh, I hope we didn't make eye contact. <laughs> I've done that sometimes, I've got to be honest. You, do you look at a, could, could you walk by and look a homeless person in the eye and walk past with your head or walk past with your head down like they don't even exist? See, one of the most convicting things about even me about preparing for this sermon tonight is, is I'm, I, I missed the boat on this. I fail at this a lot of times and I apologize for that. Um, but what if, what if 
we really deemed people as valuable? What if we really looked at everyone around this room, everyone we come into contact with at school, even people in our homes? What if we saw them as valuable? What might that look like? See, there's this guy, you might have heard of him. His name's Abraham Lincoln. He said this, whatever you are, be a good one. I know, loads of wisdom right there. But he said, but it's real. He said, whatever you are, be a good one. For some of us, it's time to start being good followers of Jesus. It's time to start being good Christians. I love the story that Chad talked about last week about how he, he just went to school and he just tried to do what he could do the best he could do. Man, and, and look how God's moving. Look how the people he, he's impacting. Whatever you are, be a good one. If, you're, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, be a good one. So a, a church in the wild chooses to see people that others ignore Why? Because they're valuable. Second thing is this. A church in the wild recognizes that God has put his power in the people. He's put his power in the people. See, Jesus said that the good Samaritan went to the man. And why did he go? Because he understood that he had the power to change the man's situation. He had the power to change the man's situation. But if we're honest with ourselves, we often fail to recognize that we've got the power to change Uh, to change someone's situation. See, we often forget that God has put the power in his people. And part of my role as your, your pastor, as your youth pastor, is to help you realize and to help you unleash that power that God has given you. Because our, our theme here at Emerge this year is what? Victory. And really, if you really begin to know and begin to realize that power that God has put in your life, you can live that life of victory. You can live that life of freedom. You, those things in your life that are getting you down, that are destroying you, that are bothering you, you don't have to live that way when you've got that power, when you realize you've got that power and that victory in your life. One of the ways, uh, one of the ways we do this in, in student ministries is that we empower our, our adult leaders. I want our adult leaders to be like pastors to you guys, to be able to speak into your lives. It's not just me. I can't just alone reach all of you. It's just not possible. And that's what we want is we want to empower and to strengthen you guys. I might be the guy on the stage or the guy who stands out front sometimes, but I'm not the only person who can speak into your life. The only person who can challenge you. The only person who, who can love you. And in the same way, um, we can empower you guys to be the pastors to the people in your community. To be the pastors to the people in your schools. To your teams. To, to your clubs. This will only happen when we recognize that God has given you all the power you need to make an impact. I'm going to show you guys and you're going to love this here in a moment. But, but it's kind of like this though. Um, if you, well, you guys have never done this, but I've gotten toys for my kids, uh, like at Target, and, and the kind that are battery-powered. And like I, I get to the checkout, and I realize that I don't have batteries. And so I, I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I've got to run back and find some batteries. And the, the cashier's like, hold on, wait a minute. 
and they push a little button on the top and it starts going off. Like it's, it starts, starts up, it starts playing, it does, it moves or whatever. And, and immediately it sprang to life and they said, you, batteries are included. When you meet Jesus, when you accept him into your life, Jesus basically tells you the same thing. The batteries are included. Included, In, in other words, he's saying, you've got all the power you need. And this power comes in the form of the Holy Spirit in your life. What kind of power are we talking about? And, and I want you to check this out. Um, if you've got your Bibles, Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Romans 8.11, it says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal, mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. I love this right here, John 14.12. It says, I tell you the truth. Now, hold on. This is Jesus talking. This is the man himself talking. He said, I tell you the truth. And he can't lie. So let's tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. He, he's saying, I'm going away. I'm moving on. But you know what? I, I love this. You guys, get this. Keep this on. Is this still on? Yeah, keep it on the screen. I love this. Anyone who believes in me. Do you guys remember what Jesus did when he was on earth? You guys remember the things he did? He healed blind eyes. He healed crippled people. He, he brought dead people back to life. Like he, 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 he multiplied uh, the bread and the fishes. And, and he did these amazing works and these amazing miracles and these great things. Look what he himself, Jesus, it's not Paul, it's not Peter, it's not any of the other people who helped write the Bible. This is Jesus talking right here. He said, anyone who believes in me, let me ask you tonight, do you believe in Jesus? Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done. You guys, do you hear what that's saying? It's saying we can do what he did. We've got that power in our lives to do what he did. But then, I love this next part, and even greater works. You guys, we can do this. God has put the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said it. He said, all the stuff that I've done here on this earth, you can do that and more and even greater. And we, we think Jesus is pretty awesome, right? He's a pretty good guy. I, I, we love him. He's pretty great. Man, and he did some amazing things. But he said, you know what? I got to go. I've got to leave. I'm going back to heaven. But here's what I've got for you. I've got the Holy Spirit for you. And he's your power. And he's your source. And with him in your life, like you, you can do the same works that I did and then some. And even greater. See, God's put the power in his people. I really want you guys to catch that part, right? If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, God has put the power in his people. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And Jesus himself is saying that you will do greater things than he ever did. God has put the power in his people. But recognize this. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do, it's not healing the blind. It's not making loaves and fish multiply or even raising someone from the dead. Sometimes like, like the Samaritan 
one of the most powerful things you can do is get off your donkey like the Samaritan did and do something. Do something. You see, God isn't looking for the most qualified people. He's not looking for the people who know absolutely everything. He's simply looking for people who are available. And as a church, we got to recognize that God has put the power in us, his people, and he wants us to use it. A church in the wild recognize that God has put the power in his people. And in so doing so, it transformed the lives of others for God's glory. So last thing is this. Number three, a church in the wild understands that it must get its hands dirty. It must get its hands dirty. So the first thing he saw, he saw something that others, someone that others ignored. He went, he recognized that he had the power to do something. And the third thing, the last part is he took pity. A better translation would be that he had compassion. See, having compassion means that, that <clears throat> we're able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and to feel their pain and to know what they're going through, and to, and to have passion and, and love and, and mercy for them. And, and, and it's the kind of passion that's like the catalyst that sets everything in motion. See, the, the casualty for the church, for a church in the wild, is personal comfort. But if church isn't about you, it shouldn't be comfortable anyways. We should be here to reach others. People will walk through these doors that, that you won't recognize. Some, someone may show up and take your seat. Someone may not look or act how people think, how we think people should look or act. And in that moment, I want you to realize that's why God's got our church right here, right here in this place. So we can reach the unreachable, so we can love the unloved. So th- there's, there's no one in this world who, who deserves, no one more who deserves to hear the love of Jesus. But our problem is that we've made it all about us. What are they going to do for me tonight? Is it going to be fun? Like, will I, will I laugh? Will I giggle a little bit? Will they sing my song? We've made it about us. But when you, you have to remind yourself that it's not about you. It's all about him, and it's all about them. Um, I'll never forget, uh, we've gone twice, uh, two different summers, to work with a, a missionary in Denver, and to work with him. And, and, and Isaac, he actually spoke here, and they spoke on a Sunday morning not long ago as well. But I, I, I'll never forget, uh, he said this. <clears throat> he said, I believe that if we go after these people, the people that no one wants then God will bring us the people that everyone wants. And before you know it, this building will be too small to contain what God is doing. Are you guys ready to be a church in the wild? Are you ready to, to make this not about you? Are you ready to be a group of people that doesn't care what anybody else thinks, but what God thinks, to reach out, to love, to have compassion, to, to, to be a church in your world, a church in the wild, to make it not about you and to make about all about Jesus and all about everyone else. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for tonight, Lord. I, I, I thank you for, 
for speaking to our hearts tonight. I thank you for challenging us tonight. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to know and to realize that the things that you've done here on this earth, God, let that sink in, that we can do those same things. And even more, your word says it. You say it. God, I pray that we would be people who would make church not about us. That it would make it make church about to getting people here and, get, and helping them hear the, the word of Jesus and the message of the gospel. Lord, I pray that we would be carriers of the gospel to our churches, to, to our schools, to our homes, to our friends, to our, our, our communities, Lord God. I, I just pray that we would be people of action. Not people who just stand around and wait for someone else to do it. Lord, I just pray that we will be people of action. I pray that we would take advantage. Those of us who we've only got a few days of school left. I pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of these next few days to reach people for you. To show the love of God, uh, your love to others. And Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do out of this group. I pray that we will be a church in the wild. That when people show up, we welcome them. And we love them with open arms, no matter who, no matter what they are. Because you love them and because you welcome them. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are.